Welcome to Medically Speaking, Auburn's own medical radio show with host Dr. Mark Vaughn of the Auburn Medical Group and Larry Finney. Welcome to another show of Medically Speaking Radio. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Mark Vaughn. Another one of your hosts is Larry Finney, the layperson. Thank you for joining us. We're glad to have you here. This week, we are going to be speaking with two doctors all the way on the other side of the world in Papua New Guinea. That's north of Australia. We'll get more into that in a little bit. Uh, What else do we have going on this week? Well, I can tell you what happened uh, recently. We went to the uh, K-Hai... the K-High the Christmas K-Hi Party. The Christmas Party, and we had the gift exchange. And at that gift exchange, I ended up with a fascinating gift. Um, Mary Jane Pop, I think, may have had something to do with you it. You think that one was hers, huh? Well, okay, I'm going to describe it for our listeners. It's a uh, kind of a little stuffed figure of a um, snowman with a carrot for a nose. The snowman has a dog. But Mary Jane Pop knew instantly how to demonstrate this thing because it is animated and it comes with sound. And we're going to play it for our listeners. About 10 inches tall. It's about 10, snowman yeah, next about to that. His- but she knew too quickly and too easily how to demo this thing. So here, here we go, uh, right here. You want me I'm going to have, yes, I'm going to have Dr. Okay. Mark uh, fire this thing up. Go ahead. Okay, here, here it go. is. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. So it's either, oh, there's the dog. It's either cute or annoying, jingle bells, jingle depending bells, on your point of view. Here comes the dog again. Now it's going to start shaking. Uh, and as it shakes, the bells ring. This is what we call a musical interlude. Feel free to join in if you know the words. That's good. Thank you. And the dog howls. It's actually shaking, vibrating. To yes. Make the, uh, the jingle bells. So uh, thank you, Mary Jane Pop. I suspect if, you if are she's the one who brought it. Yeah. Okay. Well, what do we have coming up? November 14th, no, no, November, this is December already, December 14th, it is the 14th, right? Yeah, it's on the 14th, 7 p.m., that's, oh, that's this Monday, mm-hmm. 7 o'clock at the Ridge, we've talked a little bit about this uh, in weeks leading up to it, the Celebration Cares All-Star Concert, and the purpose of this is to uh, benefit the Family Birth Center at Fa- Sutter Auburn Faith, Sutter Auburn Faith Hospital. Easy like, for you to say. I know, and, and I'm on the radio. Right. And we went over the list before of the musicians who are in it. I'm going to go over it again quickly. It includes Luann Lee, Cedric Lee, Arthur Thompson, Jeff, uh, how do you say that? Tamlier, Grant Reeves, Aaron Graydon, and the Celebration Worship Team and Choir, including the Celebration Cares Children's Choir. Ah, but see, now you may not have heard of these people, uh, listeners, but but big names in the industry do know who they are. Yes. uh, For example, Jeff... Tamelier, the guitar player for the Tower of Power. Mm-hmm. And I believe that they were with, uh, what, Earth, Wind, and Fire? Did they yeah, tour with yes. them? And, yeah. and these guys are band members of, um, say, Larry Carlton and uh, yeah. who else we got? One Bob Marley. Yeah, I've seen that name uh, mm-hmm. associated with one of these guys. Yeah. And the uh, it's not just the concert. You can go to the concert for $10 or you can get reserved seating for $20. Or you can even go early. I think it's 5.30 in the evening to get dinner. Get big. Pay, pay big and get the dinner. Yeah. The dinner, uh, let's see, it includes... Well, how a, much tickets are, are those tickets? Oh, those are $85. $85. Bucks. What do you get for dinner? Well, you get a pear salad, and then you get your choice of a slow-roasted turkey breast with dried fig and apple chutney, or grilled tri-tip with pesto sauce, or chef's choice of seasonal vegetarian. I hope the chef's in a good mood that day. All right. Dessert is a New York cheesecake. Beverages include uh, coffee, tea, and water. All other beverages are no host. 
If you want to get more information or, or to uh, order tickets, you can check their website at ccfellowship.org. I guess CC stands for Community Celebration Care, excuse me. And the uh, phone number is on our website, but here's another one you can use, or maybe it is the same uh, phone number. It's 878-1365 or 878-1365. In the, in the time we have left before the intro, I want to point out that not all doctors are in it for the money. Uh, Dr. Rosie Kerr and Dr. Bill McCoy, who used to practice here in Auburn, are serving as well, missionaries in just, Papua New Guinea. Uh, just Bill McCoy. But. Well, Bill McCoy. There, uh, the, the audio quality will be a little sketchy. I ask you to hang with us because we had to do the interview over Skype. But after the first break, we switch over to a landline, and it's a little better. So hang with us. You will That's enjoy right. it. The first segment is, is kind of hard to hear. Go ahead. Uh, wait until after that first commercial break during the interview, and it, it does get better. And it, it's really neat to hear them talk about their work there in Papua New Guinea. The reason it, it's kind of special to me, and I, we don't say this in the interview, I don't believe, I, I actually got to be at the hospital as a medical student. So let's start right now. The content of this website and the Medically Speaking Radio Show are meant for entertainment and for general information purposes. No doctor-patient relationship is attempted or implied through the show or the website. Any medical advice... Home remedies and all other medical information on this website or radio show should not be treated as a substitute for the medical advice of your own doctor. Do not attempt any treatment mentioned on the website or the show without consulting your doctor. Always consult your own doctor if you are in any way concerned about your health. If you need a doctor and live near Placer County, call Jen at 530-886-8630. If you have a medical emergency, call 911. Medically Speaking Radio, Dr. Mark Vaughn, Auburn Medical Group, K-High Radio, and or our sponsors are not responsible for any diagnosis or treatment made by anyone based on any of the content of this website or the Medically Speaking Radio Show. In addition, the views and opinions expressed on the show or on linked websites are not necessarily those of Dr. Mark Vaughn, K-High Radio, the Auburn Medical Group Incorporated, or any of the show sponsors. Since 1966, Sutter Auburn Faith Hospital has been providing award-winning care to members of the community, to people just like you. The tradition of excellence continues today with our comprehensive family birth center, cancer services, 24-hour emergency care, and a whole range of outpatient services with convenient hours and locations to serve you. In addition, we've been recognized for excellence in managing heart attacks, heart failure, pneumonia, and surgical care. We are one of a select few hospitals in the state to earn recognition from VHA's West Coast region for sustained outstanding clinical performance. To learn more about Sutter Auburn Faith Hospital, visit us on the web at sutterauburnfaith.org slash medically speaking radio. That's sutterauburnfaith.org slash medically speaking radio. Sutter Health, with you for life. Larry, have you ever been to Auburn Drug Company? Yeah, that's the one with the marble soda fountain at 815 Lincoln Way. Yeah, right there in front they have the marble fountain. And in back is an independently owned pharmacy right here in Auburn. And that thing has been around for a long time. Since the 1800s. They are so great because they actually fill your prescriptions when you ask them to. Unlike the chain drug stores that make you wait. You know, and waiting there wouldn't be a big crime because, heck, you could always go to the soda fountain. That's Auburn Drug Company at 815 Lincoln Way in downtown Auburn. Give them a call at 885 6524 
Now, back to Medically Speaking with Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney. Welcome back from the break. This is Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney on Medically Speaking Radio on K-High AM 950. Our special guest this week, we actually have two guests, and they are halfway around the world from us right now as we're speaking to them. They are Dr. William McCoy, Bill McCoy, who has been uh, a physician in Auburn, and also Dr. Rosie Kerr, who uh, is a friend from way back from uh, pre-med studies of, for myself back at Northwest Nazarene College in, in Nampa, Idaho. Welcome to our show, uh, Dr. Kerr, I'm sorry, Dr. Kerr and Dr. McCoy. Bill and Rosie, it's good to be with you. Nice to be with you, Mark. Okay. We might want to uh, point out to our listeners, there's going to be a bit of a, a lag between our uh, speech and, and our listeners or our uh, guest responses because of the, uh, we're recording this over Skype and, and they are halfway around the world in, in Papua and New Guinea. Now, uh, Dr. McCoy, could you kind of give our listeners, uh, those who are geographically challenged, an idea of where Papua and New Guinea is? Uh, we're in Oceania, just north of Australia. Second largest island in the world. The two bumps on Australia and the one on the east points right next to Papua New Okay, and it's uh, immediately east of Indonesia, right? That's right. Okay, well, why don't you tell our listeners what the heck it is you're doing there? Uh, this is a medical show, and, and uh, most of our guests are medical-related, and we've introduced you as doctors. What are you two folks doing down there? We are working at the Nazarene Hospital in Kujip, which is located in the highlands of Papua New Guinea. Uh, we're working as family practitioners and serving the community of Papua New Guinea. So that's the, the Nazarene Hospital. And if people want more information on that, they can look at the links on our website that go to Nazarene. Uh, I believe it's KujipNazareneHospital.org. Is that correct? That's yes. correct. And later on, we'll talk a little bit more about the NazareneHospitalFoundation.org, which is a related website, and uh, we'll give them uh, information on how they can help in the ministry to the patients there in Papua New Guinea. Now, the the practice of medicine in, in Papua New Guinea, I imagine, is uh, there are some similarities, but I imagine there's there's great uh, difference in, in how things are done there versus how they're done, say, here in the, in the foothills of, of uh, Placer County. Could you kind of give us an idea what's what, what type of differences one might expect to see there? It is quite different, uh, Mark and Larry. Uh, it's a 130-bed hospital. Uh, the uh, majority of the things that we see are, are uh, infections and, and cancers, tuberculosis, malaria, typhoid. Um, uh, it doesn't bear very much similarity to a family practice in the United States of America. There's uh, uh, not too much uh, time to take care of the preventive and and uh, lifestyle things that are so important to us in America. We're farther down the track. We're seeing disease late, and we're doing the best we can with uh, rather limited resources. Uh, Talking about uh, the economy a little bit, to give you an idea, this hospital admits 5,000 patients a year and does um, about 600 major surgeries and about 1,500 other surgeries, uh, delivers 1,200 babies, 
and we do this on a budget of about a million dollars a year. Do you know what it would be uh, in United States, an equivalent budget to accomplish what you are for your patients? Uh, I would have no idea, but you can you can see that it'd be a very small fraction uh, uh, of the cost. We we think in terms of trying to deliver care for uh, five to ten dollars per patient uh, for all their diagnostic as well as their uh, therapeutic interventions. You know, as long as we're on the the subject of economics, that's obviously a a, a big uh, talk here in the United States. What with the health care bill and the the general talk about the cost of medical care, um, Bill and Rosie are doctors. Um, how how do you uh, how are you compensated for your services? Both of us work as missionaries for the Nazarene Church, so we do receive a salary through the Nazarene Church. The this salary is received as churches give donations to the denomination. Um, then the costs of the hospital is supplemented somewhat by the Australian government. And then there is a small fee that the patients pay for admissions or for diagnostic lab tests or for visits to the outpatient department. Um, also contributions through the Nazarene Hospital Foundation Financial contributions are very important. Also, medical contributions and supply contributions through the Nazarene Hospital Foundation all work together to provide the services that we give to the patients. And what what do uh, patients what, typically what do, pay? Uh, as, patients typically pay. As, I'm echoing here. I'm sorry. I, I was yeah. going to ask what what uh, do patients sure. pay as as uh, for services? A uh, a child could be seen for about. 75 cents, uh, an adult, um, uh, $5 or so. Is there any way we can uh, import your uh, system <laughs> back to the foothills? I'm, I'm, I'm liking those prices. Well, you, you got to understand, uh, uh, we, we keep things pretty simple. Uh, we, we have plain X-ray. Uh, we don't have any specialized um, uh, diagnostic capability except for ultrasound, uh, basic lab tests, uh, a blood count, a few chemistries, uh, malaria smear. Uh, we're not talking about trying to compete with the, uh, the capabilities that we have in America, but we find a lot of good even uh, with the few uh, simple things that we can do. I was really curious by that comment that uh, Dr. Kerr had made about the government of Australia helps to fund your hospital. Um, Go ahead. Papua New Guinea received independence from Australia in the 70s, and um, Australia still helps to support the cost of the hospital. Now that um, of- so they the Papua New Guinea the hospital here. The, the country, country that you're in, Papua New Guinea, uh, presents some very interesting challenges. Uh, it, it's not been that recently civilized, if you would use that term. Uh, it has a, an amazing rough geographic pattern. And am I correct in understanding that there are over 700 languages in a country that's about the size of, what, California? 
Actually, there's over 800 languages. It is the highest uh, population of languages in one nation. And, and yes, the um, terrain is very rugged. There's one primary road that um, goes through the highlands. The hospital is located on this road. But many people are, are walking down from mountains through to get to the road and then are catching a, a public vehicle to get to the hospital. So it is definitely a rugged terrain here. There is one common language called Tokpisin, which is, um, has some similarities to English, um, but is a unique language unto itself. And many of the tribes, people throughout Papua New Guinea, um, if, if they don't know the language, then there's someone who can interpret for them into Tokpisin. And our care at the hospital is given to the patients in Tokpisin. Is English also rather common uh, among the people of Papua New Guinea? Among the educated, uh, not everybody has a chance to go to school, but the school system encourages English. Uh, and so uh, so there is becoming a pretty good size group of people who, who are comfortable in English. Given the unique cultural environment you have there, are there particular cultural challenges to providing health care to these people? I think one challenge is it is a primarily male-dominated society, and so the woman needs permission for from her husband, sometimes for surgeries or admissions. Um, so we just need are very careful to make sure we include the the husband in major decisions. Um, other cultural things, um, I think, just um, one complication is sometimes there's uh, multiple wives. And that can create domestic violence between the wives or with the husband and the wife. So um, it not only causes um, social issues in terms of violence, but also sexually transmitted disease. It can be quite rampant in those situations. You mentioned sexually transmitted disease. Is HIV a huge problem? It's a big problem. And it looks like it's going to be a huge problem. Uh, are, we're in some ways uh, following a pathway that imitates sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, we're not as uh, far along on that curve as, as sub-Saharan Africa, but, uh, but rates are climbing uh, significantly. Do you have access to affordable uh, antiviral medications for HIV? Somewhat. We, we do offer... Um, antiretroviral therapy uh, and uh, we have there's a lot of logistical problems uh, in regard to compliance and and uh, cross-cultural communication and transportation so uh, there's a lot to overcome but we do have uh, but we do offer it and we are uh, trying to build on that when I think of HIV I, here in the United States, I think of uh, ELISA testing or, or Western blot testing for, for follow-up. And uh, for our listeners, those are uh, rather advanced scientific instruments that are used to do that. What do you have available for uh, testing for HIV? We have simple rapid tests, um, and then we have uh, serotia confirmation uh, tests. And, and then uh, there have been times when we had Western blocks available in Port Moresby. I don't think that's actually up and functioning right now. 
So, so we're basically doing a rapid followed by a, a confirmatory serotia. We're going to take a break here, and then when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Kerr and Dr. McCoy in Papua New Guinea. Do you find yourself overspending, overeating, or in unhealthy relationships? Is your anger out of control, or do you struggle with drugs and alcohol? Are you tired of just trying harder to deal with your struggles? If you answered yes to any of these questions, there's help available. Celebrate Recovery is an international ministry that meets locally at Parkside Church, 3885 Richardson Drive, Auburn. Meetings are held every Friday night from 6 to 9.15 p.m. All areas of recovery are welcome. Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-centered, 12-step recovery program that offers real and lasting change. Contact Sheila Dobbin at 823-9911. That's 823-9911. For a listing of Celebrate Recovery locations, go to CelebrateRecovery.com. We invite you to join us at Parkside as we celebrate recovery. This is Dr. Mark Vaughn. I wanted to let you know a little bit about our practice at the Auburn Medical Group. The physician, nurses, and front desk personnel all approach the patient, asking themselves the question, how would I want to be treated if I was in the patient's shoes? Listen to what one of our patients has to say about her experience at the Auburn Medical Group. My name is Susie Brown. I just want to sincerely thank that group of people for being there for me in some emergency situations. They are very efficient. Their staff, including their receptionist, even when you call her, she's got uh, sympathy and compassion for you. And when you're ill, that's what you need. The nurses, the nurse staff is wonderful. And Dr. Vaughn listens to everything you say and they just get on things. They do not let anything lag. If you need a doctor, call us at 886-8630 or look at our website at auburnmedicalgroup.com. Now, back to Medically Speaking with Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney. Welcome back to Medically Speaking Radio. This is Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney on AM 950 K. the voice of the foothills. And we're speaking with doctors in Papua New Guinea, all the way on the other side of the world. We're speaking with Dr. Rosie Kerr and Dr. Bill McCoy at the Nazarene Hospital in Kujip, Papua New Guinea. Uh, before the break, we talked a little bit about some of the challenges of Papua New Guinea. Now, what I'd like to focus on is how each of you uh, got to the place where you are in your careers. Uh, so we'd like you to describe where you went to medical school and residency and what you did bef- before uh, becoming missionaries in Papua New Guinea. And uh, we'd like to start with Rosie. Okay. Um, I did undergraduate training at Northwest Nazarene University in Idaho. Then I did medical school at University of Washington in Seattle. Then I did family practice residency at University of California, San Francisco at the General Hospital. Um, Afterwards, we went back to Washington State where I did family practice for six years in a private Christian clinic with fellow um, family practitioners and internal medicine doctors. Then um, at that point in 2006, my family felt a call to become missionaries and we went with the Nazarene Church first to the Caribbean region. Um, at that point, I was not working in medicine, um, but I did two different week-long medical trips, one into Jamaica and one into Nicaragua. Then uh, we've just been in Papua New Guinea now for two months, and I've, in addition to learning the new medicine of Papua New Guinea, I'm also 
trying to revive what was instilled in my brain three years ago, but um, God's helping me, and I feel like um, I'm learning quite a bit. Let me give you to Bill, and he'll tell you his story. And Rosie's doing a great job over here. Um, I grew up in Oroville, went to undergrad at Point Loma Nazarene, uh, medical school at University of California, San Diego, then to Oral Roberts University for uh, family practice residency, stayed there in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma for two more years uh, in the, uh, teaching uh, family practice. In 1985, uh, we moved to Africa um, until 1993, working at the Nazarene Hospital in Swaziland, Raleigh Ficken Memorial Hospital. Uh, the mid-90s, we were back in Auburn for three years uh, in family practice there. And then since 1996, we've been here in Papua New Guinea. So actually, uh, there are a lot of listeners in our Foothill area that would have been your patients back in the 90s. Uh, there should be a few, and I would uh, want to send my greetings and, and best wishes to all those who may remember us. And is there any chance that during furlough or some other time you might actually practice in Auburn again? Uh, yes, uh, we would. We would. Uh, it would be quite a privilege to to practice in Auburn again. I'm uh, I'm I'm different. I'm a I'm a missionary doctor, and and that that uh, road is taking me down some some different paths and and uh, it might take some adjustment for me and might take some adjustment for patients uh, for me to, to uh, try to uh, be an American doctor again. But uh, we'll trust God or lead and guide. I guess some of the adjustments you have to get used to there are, you mentioned um, diseases like cholera and so forth, and I'm just surfing around on the net today looking for things from Papua New Guinea, and I understand that there are some outbreaks of various uh, types of diseases there are cholera primarily um, dengue fever things like that are those affecting your particular area or are those more coastal uh, the cholera epidemic hit the coast a little bit came up into the into the highlands but it didn't get to us at Kujip. we um, have been spared uh, certainly has uh, generated a lot of interest uh, and we've had a number of patients come in thinking that they were cholera, but I think uh, they were uh, some of our more usual forms of uh, gastroenteritis. Yeah. Now, now you, uh, you and Rosie obviously are with the uh, affiliated with the Church of the Nazarene. But are there other relief agencies and other uh, faith-based organizations there that you work with in in your general area there in Kujip? Yeah, there's quite a few um, church health services, different denominations are helping with the um in the healthcare field and there's um 20 something different churches that have health services and uh i think church health services actually provide the majority of the care in the rural areas of papua new guinea uh, and government health services are a little more predominant in the in the cities in the in the big towns and cities uh, MAF, outside of Church Health Services, we also work with other agencies, especially 
uh, MAF, Mission Aviation Fellowship, that uh, flies uh, into the remote areas and, and will do patient evacuations in, in, uh, in some cases. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of us uh, trying to get the job done. Now, your, your hospital there in Kujip is fairly new, and I, it has taken something like a, a three-year journey to, to build this thing. Uh, could you give our listeners a, a capsule of that story? Yeah, the Nazarene Hospital was established in the, in the 1960s, and that facility uh, was worn out. It was a wood frame facility. We get a lot of rain here and the uh the wood was rotting and 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 it had taken a lot of use and maybe some abuse and uh and really uh wasn't going to be able to provide a future for us a few years ago as that became obvious we submitted a proposal to the uh, uh, government of australia through a fund called png incentive fund and that proposal was accepted and they uh, funded the construction of the new hospital, which we have just moved in one month ago. Uh, yeah, it took it took three years plus to do it. Um, Six point five million kina, that's a little over two million dollars uh, for the new hospital, and we're uh, deeply grateful and glad to be in it. And the hospital services primarily in the the uh, native population, the the indigenous population, or or can um, can travelers take advantage of this too? I mean, if if a tourist to Papua New Guinea fell ill, where would they be treated? Uh, if they were if they fell ill in our area, we would we would of course treat them and and uh, love to help, uh, and we do see occasional. Tourists, but um, but the vast majority of our patients, uh, like you say, are are Papua New Guineans. They're Highlanders that live in the communities surrounding us. So, what kind of cases do you typically see in a day? Uh, you know, what, get, walk us through a, a typical day there at Kujip. Okay, the wards have uh, uh, thirty to thirty-four patients each, and uh, and uh, maybe one doctor or two doctors per ward. Uh, on the obstetrics side, the nurses will do the normal deliveries, and the doctors will be involved in the high-risk and the complicated ones, and, of course, the operative deliveries, the C-sections. And um, On surgery ward, Dr. Jim Radcliffe over there is, uh, has a very busy service. He's, he uh, has uh, one of the broadest... Uh, surgical practices in the world. He's doing uh, complicated uh, gynecology and as as well as intra-abdominal surgery, a lot of trauma, a lot of orthopedic surgery, uh, sometimes in the chest, sometimes uh, a little neurosurgery, but, uh, but Dr. Jim is a, uh, extremely uh, talented and uh, well-experienced uh, missionary surgeon, and so he's he's seen it all, and he continues to do it all. On the medical ward, uh, um, we'll have uh, we have four patients on the floor this morning. We, as we built the new hospital, we said we weren't going to have patients on the floor because we were going to have enough bed space. But uh, our 34 beds was 38 patients this morning. 
we've got we've got uh, a lot of infections on there. We've got some chronic uh, lung disease, some tuberculosis, some HIV/AIDS, um, uh, and on children's ward, you've got a lot of pneumonia and gastroenteritis and some malaria and meningitis. Rosie, what else on on children's? Oh yeah, deep space infections, pyomyositis, where you get uh, abscesses deep in in uh, fascial spaces, uh, muscle and next to bone, and osteomyelitis. You're talking a lot about uh, some infections there. Do you have a problem with antibiotic resistance? <laughs> we <laughs> we don't we don't have cultures and sensitivities, so. Uh, we uh, we think we do have antibiotic resistance, but we can't we can't prove it. We uh, basically uh, treat empirically what we think the most likely organism is, and and with the antibiotics that we think are most likely to kill it. Wow! So you just watch and see if they respond. If they don't respond, you change. Absolutely. Now, what type of lifestyle does the native population live that that exposes them to such um, infections? Well, that's a, a very good question, and and um, and even the world's experts uh, debate this somewhat. Why why is pneumonia uh, such an enormous killer of children in developing countries? Um, uh, Actually, Papua New Guinea has a very good food supply. We can grow food here all year round, uh, so so it's hard to blame malnutrition. Although uh, there is a little bit of malnutrition here, but it uh, it's hard to blame it on that. Uh, there is some crowding uh, as as families uh, will uh, crowd together in a smoky hut. You know, the the house will have a fire in the middle, and and maybe. Uh, grandparents who may have uh, tuberculosis or uh, respiratory infection, and that may get spread to, to, uh, to small children. Um, but, uh, but there seem to be some other factors involved as to why uh, in a developed country like America, you have a ton of URIs and very few that go on to severe pneumonia and that ratio seems to be very, very different in developing countries, Africa or Papua New Guinea, where uh, where severe pneumonias are extremely common and and deadly. This is a place where we should uh, take a break. Uh, we've been speaking with Dr. Bill McCoy and Dr. Rosie Kerr at Papua New Guinea, uh, Kujip Nazarene Hospital. When we get back, uh, we want to talk to uh, specifically to Rosie Kerr. Uh, about uh, the role of uh, women in medicine and unique features uh, of that practice in Papua New Guinea. Uh, We'll be back right after the break. This is Dr. Mark Vaughn. I want to tell you about my dentist, Rodney Kihara. His office is located right in town at High Street and Auburn Folsom Road. His staff is pleasant. They smile when you walk in, and you know who they are because they're there every time. We're talking about Flo, Cheryl, and Judy. Their pleasant faces welcome you into the office and let you know that you're in the right spot, a comfortable place to go to the dentist. Call Dr. Kihara's office at 888-1966. That's 888-1966. Few things in life are harder than thinking about serious illness or the death of someone you love. 
Research confirms that Americans want the basic services that hospice provides. Care at home or in a home-like setting. Treatment that preserves a sense of dignity and respect. Emotional and spiritual support for patients and for their families. And effective pain management. Hospice helps patients and their families deal with end-of-life challenges in a life-affirming, compassionate way that brings dignity, hope, and love to every day of life. This message of love and caring is the focus of hospice care. This message is brought to you by Sutter Auburn Faith Hospice. We can be reached at 886-6650 or click on the link for Sutter Auburn Faith Hospice on the Medically Speaking Radio website. The doctor would say, don't stick anything in your ear. Unless, of course, it's medically speaking. On K-High, the voice of the foothills. Now, back to Medically Speaking with Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney. Welcome back. This is Medically Speaking Radio with Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney. We're speaking with Dr. Rosie Kerr and Dr. Bill McCoy in Papua New Guinea at the Nazarene Hospital in Kujip. And... Uh, before the break, we had said that we wanted to speak with uh, Dr. Kerr about uh, women in medicine. You, you had mentioned that uh, it's it's a very um, male-dominated male society there and that uh, there's uh, polygamy that takes place and uh, interesting things as far as uh, relationships between the genders. Uh, tell us a little bit more about what you've seen there and, and what it's like to be a woman in medicine in that environment. I think actually the um, many of the practitioners here are female, and there's um, the people of Papua New Guinea are very grateful to have the Kujip Nazarene Hospital here. They're very respectful towards the doctors. So um, I have not seen discrimination as a, a female doctor here. Um, in America, I did experience that, patients, male patients that did not want to be seen by a female. But here the people are very grateful, respectful, appreciative, um, we, um, so I have not experienced discrimination here as a, a female doctor. Um, I think also the relationship with the other um, staff and other doctors, there's just a great um, collegial atmosphere of uh, mutual respect, helping each other, working together. So I have not experienced any discrimination here as a female. The one issue that does come up as a female in Papua New Guinea is just safety issues. Our family lives 20 minutes away from the hospital. We live on a, the campus of the Nazarene Bible College, and I commute into work 20 minutes, and it's advised that I do not drive by myself. So I have a watchman that goes with me in the car. Um, he's a gentleman who works security at the Bible College campus who goes with me in the morning and um, back in the afternoon. Um, just for safety issues, um, I'm taking my two little girls to school, and so it was advised that we just have someone to go with us. Um, the most, for the most part, missionaries are very safe. There is some tribal fighting in, among community lines that can develop. And um, one thing cultural that is really challenging is there is a real atmosphere of um, revenge and reciprocity when one person is injured, even accidentally, um, then another house line or tribe um, seeks revenge, and then that just causes more trouble. So the tribal fighting can actually persist for years. 
um, people getting their houses burned down, having to evacuate their communities. Um, so there's a, a lot of violence and fear that the some of the local communities are living with daily. But um, generally, as a missionary, um, we are uh, respected and appreciated, and um, the people here are very gracious towards us. No, I was wondering about the. You mentioned that you felt that it, it well, it's not a good idea for a woman to drive her car alone. Is this a crime uh, problem? Because I, I ran across something in the news here, uh, in fact, uh, very recently, about uh, the city of Medang on the on the on Papua New Guinea's north coast, where there's a uh, the Fred Hollows Foundation was scaling back its uh, eye clinics because of an upturn in violent crime there. It is. Had you heard about that, and and is that affecting your area? Well, um, with Papua New Guinea receiving its independence in the 70s, um, the Australian government pulled out, and Papua New Guinea is trying to establish their own police force, um, their own community protection system, and it's it's not very strong at this point. So you don't see a lot of police um, presence or protection. So. Um, their crime has been on the rise in the cities. There's um, you definitely have to be careful for um, pickpocketing, and you have to just be on the alerts all the time. It's you um, when you go into the town to go shopping. Um, most people recommend leaving a watchman in the car just so your car doesn't get broken into when you go into the store. Um, so uh, crime is on the rise, and because of some of the um, political uh, unrest, the government, or actually the United Nations has deemed that Papua New Guinea, instead of being called a developing country, they're calling it an undeveloped country because it hasn't made the strides politically and with infrastructure that they had hoped that they would make after receiving their independence. Well, speaking of infrastructure, most... uh I, I think when you practice in the United States, you're probably used to bureaucracies, uh, licensing boards and bureaus and so forth. Uh, how is medicine regulated, if at all, in Papua New Guinea? Is, is there, in fact, anything like a licensing board or a, or a government uh, bureau that oversees the practice of medicine there? Um, yes, there, there actually is a, a system of medical licensing here. The Papua New Guinea government used to just accept any um, license that was issued in America, but actually they've become a little bit more strict in doing their own review, their own evaluations. So um, part of our process in coming to Papua New Guinea was getting um, a license, getting reviewed by the Papua New Guinea Medical Board, and they were asking for even undergraduate transcripts and um, references, all of my diplomas, everything documented, notarized. So it was quite extensive what they were asking for, and, and it did. Um, the process took longer than it had previously because of their new medical board um, evaluation process. When you started there, did they give you a uh, a handbook of? Uh I guess you'd call it Papua New Guinea medicine that has some basic kind of cookbook guidelines for treating patients uh, in Papua New Guinea? Um, actually, they do have some um, guidelines, uh, um, handbooks for guidelines on treatments, and they have one for pediatrics, one for adults, and one for maternity. Um, but we, and I did receive the pediatric book, which has been very helpful, but the other two books are out of stock, and the government hasn't been providing them. So I'm just 
I'll learn as I go and maybe I'll get the treatment book later. But um, yeah, the, the book is very helpful because medications are definitely different here. Um, different antibiotics that I haven't used before, different treatment regimens, um, and they have their own protocols for um, for dysentery, um, for common medical conditions, and then they also have information about um, one condition I've never heard of before called pig bell, <laughs> which is when uh, children have not been exposed to really large protein loads, and they eat uh, they. One of the great celebration meals here is called a moo moo, where they cook a pig under the ground with um, hot stones and vegetables. But the pig is sometimes undercooked, and it's a much larger protein load than the children are used to receiving. And it, it um, causes just horrible destruction to their bowels, even to the point of needing bowel resection with necrotic bowel sometimes. So it's it's a, a very deadly disease that. Um, I've never heard of outside of Papua New Guinea, and this treatment book does go over guidelines on what to watch for, when to operate, when not to operate, and um, it's a pretty serious condition. Well, remind me never to go to a barbecue with with you guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you spoke a little bit earlier, or I guess uh, Bill had spoken a little bit about Dr. Radcliffe's uh, very broad scope of surgical practice. Have you already been experiencing a, a widening of your scope of practice compared to what your training was in the United States? Uh, definitely. Um, I'm doing. I'm learning how to do ultrasounds. I did get a little bit of um, tr- exposure doing ultrasounds with obstetrics, but now learning some of the more um, rapid scans used in ER evaluations. Um, I'm also doing more. Um, IND procedures, um, hip joint aspirations, hadn't done that much before. So, yeah, I'm definitely broadening my scope, and I'm also honing my physical examination skills. Since I, I, I have to interrupt you for a moment, Rosie. As, yes. as the layperson here, I, I need to know what a hip joint aspiration is. <laughs> okay, sorry. So, um, yeah, we have a 12-year-old boy who's on the pediatric ward right now. He came in with what looked like um, cellulitis, a skin infection, and possible um, deep tissue infection and um, pain at the hip joints. Um, we looked with the ultrasound and could see that the hip space was widened on that side compared to the left and then did um, gave him sedation and used a needle to remove uh, fluid from the hip joints. We actually removed 16 cc's of fluid from the hip joints, which looked purulent or infected. Um, we don't have a way of checking for organi- for specific organisms, but we can check white counts and um, look, you know, try to see if for sure it looks infected. But it definitely looks infected, and he's on antibiotics for that right now. Yeah, the reason I ask you to explain is because, well, you're you're in a developing country, but some of our broadcasts goes to a, a local community called Forest Hill, and I think they're still on the, on the list of uh, developing countries as well. So just I thought sorry. you'd clarify that. Very good. Yes, um, I'm definitely broadening my scope of treatments and um, honing my um, diagnostic and clinical examination skills. Um, this um, hospital is actually a place where regularly we get medical students, we get residents rotating through, and it really is excellent exposure not only to um, the more unusual 
cases such as pig bell, but definitely um, common medical illness, uh, you're, it's an excellent place to learn. What was the name of that disease where you eat the undercooked uh, pork? They just call it pig bell. Pig bell, huh? Yeah, okay. I believe bell P-I-D-B-L. is the uh, pigeon word for belly or abdomen. Well, actually, bell uh, communicates a lot of different things. It could be uh, a general term for an organ. Um, it could be your entire abdomen. It could mean your stomach, but it also is your heart, your seat of emotion. So if you say you have bell easy, that means you have peace. If you have bell amamas, that means you have joy in your heart. You ask um, Jesus, come inside long bell. That means you ask Jesus into your bell rather than into your heart. Ah, so you speak so pigeon. You speak some pigeon uh, English, do you? Um, I am learning Takpisin. I am pretty good at understanding my patients, but sometimes I have to ask for help. Okay, imagine I'm one of your patients and you have to tell me to take two aspirin and call me in the morning. How would you say that? <laughs> okay, so you must kiss him this pillow medicine, two pillow time, long, one pillow day. Now you call calling me long phone, long morning. Excellent. And, uh, and, and, and ask me... Um, uh, now, how will you be paying for this? Okay. <laughs> you got enough money long, pay long, this test, or this time you come long, how sick. Wow. I, it kind of sounds like a Chinese restaurant to me. Uh, but, almost. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> uh, I, I want to yeah, know. So the, you can kind of understand and understand the English root for some of it, but then um, it gets really complicated how they put some phrases together. So I'm still learning. Uh, I want to know, Dr. Curry, have you been spending time in the operating room and starting to uh, do operative procedures? Um, I haven't spent time in the OR yet. Actually, instead of the OR, they call it the operating theater because of the British influence through Australia. So it's the OT. But um, I will, I'm planning on doing that later. We One great thing about the hospital here is they actually have... Um, residents, um, they're actually they're called registrars here, that are from Papua New Guinea that are getting training in surgery. Um, so we're, the hospital here is also helping to strengthen the, um, the hospital training within the people of uh, Papua New Guinea. So we, primar- we want them to get first dibs on helping in the OT. And so um, behind, later when there's not uh, uh, one of the surgery registrars here, then I'll get some more OT exposure. Do they still have the great big window to the outside in the operating theater so that the family members can watch the procedure? Actually, the new hospital does not have a window into the OT. Um, the, it was in the old hospital. They had the window not only so the, the family could see what was going on, but there was um, some concerns that um, if there's uh, witchcraft going on, then somebody might put something evil inside the body and so they wanted to make sure nothing bad was being left inside the body. So, but those um, those fears are are not as strong as they used to be. So they didn't feel like a window was necessary in the new hospital. So, have either uh, you or Doctor Bill uh, been accused of witchcraft? Um, I've never been accused of witchcraft. Doctor Bill, have you ever been? No, he's never been accused of that. But patients come in, and if they have a serious illness then they may fear that somebody from an enemy tribal line has put a curse on them, and that's why the illness has come about. Um, And they have specific names for these 
um, spirits that they're that they're afraid may have worked this sickness. So as many of the um, patients that we see do have um, exposure to Christianity, but may have not completely understood the the power of God over um, over the forces of darkness. And so there's not only there's some superstitious that still remains among the communities. And, and Dr. Kerr, I have to ask if you've ever seen the television series Lost. I have heard of it. I have not seen it, but I have seen the show. You shouldn't be alive. <laughs> Is it similar? <laughs> or you should, or I should have been dead, or one of those. What's it called? I can't remember what it's called. But I, I don't know that one. I just. In seeing the new pictures of the hospital and, and from my previous experience there in Papua New Guinea, uh, uh-huh. it totally makes me think of that show and the island and you guys being on the island. I just, it's quite an experience. What's, what's funny though <laughs> is you'll see you'll see these people in their national traditional outfits like leaves covering themselves and mud on them their face and carrying spears. Sometimes, like if they're going to a funeral, they'll dress traditionally or. Um, but then they'll have their cell phone with them too. So it's it's an amazing, amazing mix of cultures and a um, mix of, of different time periods. Some people are getting internet and yet they're still out with their bush knives cutting their their lawn or cutting down things with very primitive instruments. Uh, now, if only the iPhone had an app for telling if uh, your infection was resistant to the antibiotic you're trying to use, that that would be helpful. <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe that's something you can send our way when that's <laughs> developed. Well, so we, you, asked, you asked Bill about um, antibiotic resistance. One thing, a lot of the community providers, um, they're like a nurse level or sometimes less than that, like community health workers, and they'll give amoxicillin just so freely, um, like aspirin, that that's not at all a drug that we choose at this point because it's, there is resistance to amoxicillin here. Just like the United States. Yes. <laughs> we, we have to wrap things up, but I want to express to both of you, both Dr. Kerr and Dr. Uh, Bill McCoy, we are so thankful that you joined us for our show. We are going to put the links on our, our website so that our listeners can uh, become a part of helping out in your ministry there, bringing health care to the people of Papua New Guinea. And, and to both of you, uh, just a big thanks from both Larry and myself. And uh, we uh, encourage our listeners to stay tuned again next week as we come back on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. And until then, this is Dr. Mark Vaughn, Larry Finney, Dr. Kerr, and Dr. Bill McCoy saying stay in good health. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you.